reading is Psalm 25, which can be found on page 566, 566 of the Church Bibles. So that's page 556. Psalm 25. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart, and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress, and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies, and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life, and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, today, for Psalm 25, the title I've been given is A Prayer for Guidance. Um, we could say a prayer for direction. Um, uh, so we'll consider how some of that comes through from this psalm. And actually, we'll, we'll step back a little bit as well. I want to do something slightly different for a moment. Uh, but before we do that, let, let us pray. Um, I'd like us to pray. Let's commit our time uh, in God's word to the author of the word. Heavenly Father, as we come now to your holy and life-giving word, we pray, Father, that what we know not, 
that you would teach us. That what we have not, that you would give us. That what we are not, that you would make us. So, our Heavenly Father, we pray truly you'd bless the words of my mouth, direct by your Spirit the thoughts of our hearts, that at the end our response in faith, in trust, would be pleasing in your sight, and that we would be true ambassadors, living as salt and light, for the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So, to Psalm 25. I'd like really to do three things. Uh, First, I want to consider some... How can I put this? Um, Some big picture context, as it were, connected to Psalm 25. Uh, There is something about this psalm um, and a number of other psalms that I think reveals the beauty and order contained in Holy Scripture. Um, The scriptures are not just uh, randomly put together, put together anyhow. There's order. When you step back and reflect, there's rhythm, there's structure, and we'll see a little bit of that today partly using this psalm. Second, we're going to consider the question of why. Why, why, would, why, would God, um, why would God put this order and beauty and structure in his word? What, what benefit for us here in the 21st century? Then lastly, just towards the end, we'll pick out a few verses. We, we're not really going to, we don't have time. Uh, we're going to pick out a few verses that connect directly to today, today's theme of guidance, a prayer. Uh, for guidance. Psalm 25 is a prayer. It's one of those that is clearly such. Uh, And towards the end of the sermon, we'll highlight something of what praying for guidance looks like. So first, the big picture context. And and for this, very simply, I want you to look at the psalm, page 556, as you heard. Just look at the title. Very simple. There's a a detail given there that is uh, rather instructive uh, for us. Psalm 25, the heading. Uh, Psalm 25, and then it says of David. But the bit I want you to notice is that small letter A, next to the five of the 25. There's a small letter A, basically, meant to tell you there's a footnote. So I want you to go to the bottom of the page um, on the same column. The same uh, small A appears at the bottom and says, this psalm is an acrostic poem, the verses of which begin with the successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Very important detail that we're given there, that this psalm, Psalm 25, is an acrostic poem. And put very simply, you get the description there, that's telling us that the verses of Psalm 25, if you were to line them up, the verses, uh, they're arranged alphabetically. Um, if, if you were to read Psalm 25 in the original, uh, you'd find that the first letter of the verses, as you go down, follows the pattern, the exact pattern of the Hebrew alphabet. It would be like, to use an example, an English poem where the first letter of the first line is A, um, the first letter of the second line is B, and so on, and so on. That's what you have with uh, Psalm 25, only that it is doing that with the Hebrew alphabet. Okay, verse one, uh, Aleph, that's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, verse 2, Beit, and so on and so on. Um, let me give you an example in English. And yeah, this is, this is not going to win a Shakespeare Prize. It's just a simple poem, okay? Uh, let's call this the friendship poem, okay? So try and listen, you know, first letter. Always be honest. Be there when they need you. 
Call them just to say hi. You can tell I'm not going to win any prizes. Uh, don't look for their faults. So you see, A, B, C, D are the, are the beginning of the, of the line. Um, and in the Hebrew, that's what Psalm 25 is like, if you were to read it in the original. Okay. Now, okay, let's step back a bit again. Here's an interesting point. It's not just Psalm 25 where we get that pattern, interesting as it is. We see it occur in multiple places in Scripture and especially in the Psalms, okay? If, if I was preaching this Psalm in Kenya, uh, I would at this point stop and ask the congregation to tell me if they knew any other acrostic Psalms. We like to have, it's a kind of feature of Kenyan ministry, kind of very interactive, and don't worry, I'm not gonna ask you. Um, but I, I wonder if you were just to think for yourself, do you know, um, do you know any of the other acrostic Psalms? Psalm 25 is one, in fact, the first complete one in the whole Psalter, um, but do you know any others? Let me list them for you in the order in which we find them in the Psalms. First one is Psalm 9 and 10 combined together, and not just Psalm 9 on its own, but you need to have them both together, and in some manuscripts, they are. The next is Psalm 25, then it's Psalm 34, then Psalm 37, then Psalm 111, then Psalm 112, then a very famous one, Psalm 119, and then the last one, Psalm 145. Let me go back to that famous one, Psalm 119. Uh, 176 verses in the Psalm, longer Psalm, divided into 22 sections, which is basically the number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And already you're getting a clue. So 22 sections, each section matches up with the Hebrew alphabet, alpha in the order in which it comes. So first section, first letter, like this, like this. But there's more. Not only do you get that 22, you know, following the Hebrew alphabet, each section, for each section, if it was A, each of the verses in that section have the first letter the same as the first bit. Second section, the same. It's like having a poem where, you know, however many verses, but the, if you have an A verse um, stanza, all the first letters would be A's, and so on, and so on. Very structured, okay? Um, we might call it um, an ac acrostic poem on steroids, right? It, it's full of it, and the pattern is just there uh, for you uh, to see. Now, wh why go on about all this? To remind us, that the Bible is full of such patterns. It's, it's littered with them wherever you look. Uh, the ordering of scripture is very particular and intentional. It's not a random book. We've not, we've not actually done how this theme comes up through all the Psalms. Um, I've given you the main ones, but we get sections where you get this. Uh, we could even move from the Psalms and go to the book of Proverbs. Again, you get it. Uh, famously, the the last chapter, the chapter about the ideal, the perfect woman, that's an acrostic uh, pattern. First verse, first letter, and so on. Book of Nahum, full of it. Lamentations, again, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, um, so the Bible is not a random book. The Bible is not filled with passages that are just carelessly put together. Um, this is, there's far more order in this holy book than we realize. And here's a point. If, if the Bible, if the Word of God, comes ultimately from God, and it does, then you expect it to be orderly and purposeful and meaningful. You'd expect to find it in careful patterns, like we see in Psalm 119 in a very clear way, same in Psalm 25. Our God 
The true God, the God of the scriptures, is not careless or random. Uh, you had the all-age talk, we're being encouraged to read the word, and one of the things we want to have at the back of our mind is the God who gave it is intentional, not just random. Um, let, let's connect that briefly to our theme this morning, a prayer for guidance. How many times, if we were honest, how many times have you been reading the Bible and thought to yourself, what is the point? You know, what, you're reading something and you go, what's all this about? Okay, it doesn't, it seems random, it doesn't seem to make much sense. Okay, if we're honest, that thought has crossed our minds from time to time. Um, back, back in Nairobi, uh, where I serve, where we serve, I'm always encouraging the church folk to read the scriptures. Make it part of your devotional life. Read the Bible, pray, um, and seek Christ as you do that. Read it, I say read it regularly, read it thoroughly, meaning read it through and through, read it all the way through. Regular, thorough. But one of the pushbacks I get back when I do this, people say to me, pastor, they call me pastor there, pastor, um, I've tried to read through the Bible, but I got to Leviticus. Okay, and you get it. Someone else said to me a while back, they said, look, I managed, I, I, I actually plowed through, got through Leviticus, but what are you meant to do with these long lists of names in Chronicles? Okay? We easily get discouraged, if we're honest, and start viewing the Bible as a random book, or even worse, not just random and what's the point, even worse as something meaningless because we have forgotten that it is the word of God. That the scriptures come from the Lord of heaven and earth who is orderly and purposeful and does all things well. An example of which is revealed to us in these acrostic Psalms, Psalm 25 being an example, okay? Think about it, the first um, complete acrostic in the Bible is uh, Psalm 25, okay? Uh, this, is, this is the first complete one. We have nine and 10 you have to combine together, uh, which means coming back to our theme of prayer for guidance, this is one of those Psalms that God wants us to really know, okay? Um, what we were saying, one thing we want to see is uh, the kind of context, but why would God give these patterns? One of the reasons is so that we can remember it, so that it can be easily to hook something on and go, oh, that's, that's one I want to be kind of be aware of, okay? He has put these memorable patterns, clear structures, um, following the letters of the alphabet, so that we, it can easily be remembered, so that it can stand out and be quick to recall. You want to, it's that it's fresh and you're like, I, I, I'm, I want to remember something about um, what's going on in the world, you know, how, how to manage what, what the stress that I'm facing. Ah, I, I need to pray and the words are given to us here. So, context, we've thought why would he do it, to remember it, and now for a few minutes as we come to the end, I want to begin to conclude by highlighting some of the wonderful things that God, from this Psalm, that God, 25, that God wants us to recall. Um, what is it, given that he's given these patterns, what exactly in Psalm 25 might he want us to recall? I'm just going to pick one or two verses. First one, I want you to look at it, verse two. Look down with me at verse two. Verse two, the writer, David, likely, um, writes, I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. I want to focus on that first part of the verse. I trust in you, do not let me be put to shame. Who has not felt that deep dread of being ashamed? Who has not felt it? 
right? We've all, we've all known that feeling, uh, wondering, I hope even family or friends or neighbors or work colleagues do not find out dot, dot, dot. Or I can't believe I've got to face that crowd when that has just happened. Who's not felt that? We all have, right? And some, beautifully, some, Psalm 25 gives us the words to pray when such moments seem near. I trust in you, here's a believer, clearly, they've turned from their sin and trusted in the Savior. They trust in God, they know God. But what then, in this situation? Do not let me be put to shame. We're not, we're not told what the context for David's life is, but his words echo our experience. And the fear we might face in that situation, when we're afraid of being laughed at in public, when we're horrified at the thought of what the neighbors are saying, and it could, be, it could be something that is genuinely uh, beyond us, but people feel it. Even, uh, I've been speaking to people uh, back in Nairobi, sometimes even in the midst of things like grief, people feel burdened and I can't stand to see the world. We, we have words to express that here, how we can pray. How are we to pray in those moments? Here it is, God gives us uh, the words. There is, I think, something beautiful in the simplicity and honesty we find in the scriptures, supremely in the Psalms. The, the, uh, this is, you know, these kind of words are about everyday living. Um, and we're given the words of how we're to deal with those very difficult moments that seem beyond us many times. And, and it's no wonder, just dial the story forward to the cross of Christ, right? Dial the story forward to the crucifixion. It's no wonder that Jesus spoke on the cross Words, many a time that came from the Psalms. We're told after the supper, if you read the Gospel of Matthew, we're told after they had the Last Supper um, that Jesus and the disciples sung a psalm. Let's get the word of us, the word of God in us. Then at the cross, what does Jesus say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Going back to the Psalms. As he's about to die, a moment close to death, into your hands I commit my spirit. Back into the Psalms. Right? Jesus had internalized the Psalms and so in moments of deep distress, he could pray, he could outpour with the Psalms. He could, as it were, speak the word of God back to the living God. You know, if, if the Psalms of God, if the word of God was good enough for the Son of God, how much more than for us, the people of God? Okay, that, that I think is how we're to cultivate godly, God-pleasing prayers, uh, even as we seek guidance. That is how we will seek guidance, God's guidance, in difficult moments, by praying the word of God back to the true God, the one who gave the word. And we see that beautifully in what Christ did, singing it, knowing it, and so in those moments, that is what outpours from him. One other example, and then we'll be done. I want you to look at verses four and five. Look with me at verse four and five. Look at what this, uh, again, David, likely, and then believers uh, since in, light, in line with him. Verse four, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Stop there for a moment. Notice the kind of prayer and notice the extent of praying. Show me, not your way, singular, but show me your ways. Second half of the verse, teach me again, not your path, don't just give me directions, that is a way to go, but teach me your paths, plural. Uh, the psalmist doesn't just want one-off assistance, you know, that's a way to go, that's a road. Uh, he's not after instruction that is given once, and then that's it. No, he wants God's leading continually 
and in an ongoing manner. Okay? Uh, use an example from my home country, from Kenya. Back in Kenya, I generally resist. I don't like asking people for directions. Um, and here's why. Usually you ask someone, hey, I'm getting a bit lost, where do you go? They usually look for like a land, some kind of landmark, mountain tree. You see those things, just go there. <laughs> You'll be fine, as if. Right? It's not always going to be easy, and you, you'll get lost. You, know, you see those, those trees? It's around there. Okay? This is not like that. This is more sat-nav. You know, guide me in each step of the way. I, w- I want to know where to turn, how, ma- how long to go on that road. Guide me in your ways, plural. Um, he doesn't want uh, just one-off instruction. He wants it continually. This is a prayer, we might say then, at that level, those two, uh, verse four, this is a prayer for wherever you are and whatever you're facing. Whatever, whatever, wherever you are, whatever situation, you could say, show me your ways, Lord. What am I meant to do here? Uh, teach me your paths, right? This is not a prayer just for the big things in life, marriage, um, career, Children, even, even when we pray, you know, you've got the quiz coming up, quiz night, you know, praying for people to invite. It's not just about those big things. Or to pick something very contemporary, it's not just a prayer for, um, h- how do we respond? You watch the news at the moment with what's going on in the Middle East. And honestly, Kara prayed some beautiful prayers. But sometimes I'm like, what, what do I say? Right? How, how do I pray? Um, well, show me your ways, Lord. Show me. Reveal to me. Teach me the way in which I should go in the face of these things. When people are talking about it, how should I speak? Show me your ways, Lord. Guide me and teach me then your paths. It's not just a prayer for the big things, but it's also a prayer for the small things. It covers everything. If you're you're wanting plural guidance from God, everything, all the small things as well. How will I spend a weekend with friends? Where, where should I go on holiday this year? What, what uh, not to scare you, what Christmas present should I get for family? Okay? It being only 70 days away or thereabouts. Okay? Whatever it is, the words of this prayer, in the words of this prayer, and especially those two verses, show me your ways, Lord, teach me your paths. It's saying, Lord, be my guide. Uh, direct me, lead me, uh, keep me. Uh, and that's what we need from God. That is what really, when we say a prayer for God, that's what we want for, from him. Ongoing direction, repeated instruction, both things. Look at how it's put in verse 5. Same theme really is picked up. Guide me, we're back to uh, God's leading, God's guiding. Guide me in your truth. We, we're not just to be guided anyhow, my feelings. Guide me in the word, in your truth. And teach me. For you are God, my savior. Important phrase there, we'll come to in a minute. And my hope is in you. Listen again, we've had paths, ways, but my hope is in you all day long. Every day, all day long. Morning, afternoon, evening, nighttime. I wake up from my sleep. I, your hope is, my hope is in you. Uh, I want to hear from you. And notice, I want to go back to God, my savior. Here's someone who already knows God. That's, he can call God my savior. Here's someone who's experienced his salvation, who has repented of their sin, turned from their sin, and come to trust in Christ for us in this age, trust in the Lord as their savior. Okay, that he can call God his savior. This is not an outsider to the faith. And that point is important because I think sometimes as believers, we, we, we can slip into the view that once you come to Christ, once you've believed, you're done, 
Right? Once you're, you're Berea, it's okay. And, and then things like engaging with the word, diversion in the word becomes like, oh, but I'm a believer, I'm fine. Okay? I don't have to worry too much about getting deep into the scriptures. Well, here's someone who is a believer, knows Jesus as Lord, and yet is calling out for God's leading and guiding. And so should we. Right? Um, someone who wants to discern and know God's leading and direction. Someone who is eager to take each step dependent on God and in line with his word. How does the old hymn put it? Uh, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. That kind of back to our salvation, God as a savior. No tender voice like thine can peace afford, even in a troubled world. Okay? And the Bible gives us various, what can we call them? Uh, various helps, various aids that will make it easier to hear that gracious voice of our savior. Um, as we familiarize ourselves with the scriptures, read them through, read them thoroughly, uh, um, but also in seeing these patterns, which are there to help us. And so as I finish, how will you, uh, we're almost at the end of the year, really, in one sense, how will you grow in the ways of the Lord for the remainder of the year? Right? Um, about three months, then we're done. Um, have you, okay, look, look back for a moment. Have you, if, you, if you're honest with yourself, have you grown this year in the Lord? Would you say, have you gone back are you stagnating? Where, where are you? If you were to be honest with yourself. Right? Just, and then, okay, so look back, then look forward. Just think for a moment. Uh, if you knew reasonably well uh, Psalm 25, some of the other acrostic psalms as a start, how well, how um, enriching would your prayer life be? How, how would your prayer life change? How would your dealing with anxiety change? Um, when, when, when God is your hope all day long, how would you be at peace and not being fretting in the world? How would your language change? I've been surprised that even, well, even, even amongst believers, how we, uh, we easily slip into being like the world, uh, using swear words and so on. If, if you knew these things and they were immersed deep in us, how would that change? All is not lost, as we know. Christ is a wonderful savior, a great Lord. He's given us his word, and uh, he's, he's saved us, redeemed us, then he's given us his word. Right? He's given us the way in which we're to return to him, uh, know him, continue with him. So the exhortation this morning is to seek to deepen your understanding in the word. It's really the message, I'm sure you hear it a lot, get to know your word. But that, there is where we, are, we find life, there is where we will be guided in our prayers. It's just coming back to the word, then no other place. Okay? Notice these patterns, these rhythms, these orders, and then... As, as you get to know it, your life will be more in tune with who it is Christ would have us be, look like, and reflect. Get, you know, for a starter, for the rest of this year, get to know one of the acrostic psalms, the shortest one, you know, Psalm 111. Start there. Uh, I'm always amazed at how people know all kinds of little interesting details that, okay, you know, they might be fun. Uh, like, I didn't know who, I don't know, what, what was the question? What tune was played when someone won the medal in the Olympics? That was asked at the beginning here. Great. You know, you talk to guys, they know who played in what match, what was the score, how many times they were, they, they, that, that person uh, uh, played in certain games. Great, find that. But do that in addition to getting to know the word of God. Um, I think it was John Piper who said, 
one of the great uses of social media will be to show us on the last day that a lack of biblical knowledge was not because of a lack of time. Right? We all say, oh, I don't have time, oh, I can't. Well, he says on the last day, when we see our social media usage, we're like, oh, you clearly had time. Okay, let's not be that kind of person. Purpose to get to know the word of God in all its richness, this beautiful word, this well-ordered word, word that God has given in that way that we might remember it, endeavor to be familiar with that word, even as we remember what Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. Psalm 25, every word. Genesis to Revelation, every word. And so as we do that, want to find any and every way to get in us all of scripture, that then in our speaking, in our thinking, in our praying, we might be guided indeed by the very word of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the richness and beauty of your word. We've only scratched the surface, but uh, you have given this word that we might know it, that even as the Psalms begin, that we might be blessed by meditating, reflecting slowly on this word day and night. And as a good father, as a loving God, you just, you've not just given us the word, but in it we see order and rhythm and pattern in part that we might know it, in part that it might be familiar to us, in part that we might remember it, and so that it might shape us in our thinking, in our speaking, in our praying. May it be that we would love this, your word. And like your son, Jesus Christ, so the word of God would dwell richly in our hearts. And then in moments of crisis, in moments of distress, even in rejoicing and thanksgiving, so it would be that the word of God would overflow amongst the people of God for the glory of you, our God. We cannot do this in our own strength, and so we ask, as always, that your spirit would do that work of convicting us, of changing us, of pointing us and taking us always to Christ. We pray that in his name. Amen.